I'm Jessica, and this is ATC Presents Debak K Rambles, where a couple of friends review Korean dramas. And welcome back to another episode of Debak K Rambles, and unfortunately, the last episode of season three for Debak K Rambles. And I'm really excited to wrap up this season with kind of a big show, a really huge show for 2022. And we're also crossing the podcast streams also on this episode because I have with me two pre like repeat guests with me from two different podcasts. I have Kathy from the MIA2K podcast and Mina from the K-Pop Bookshelf podcast. Hey, ladies. What's up? Hey. Hi. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> Happy to be back here. I am so glad you guys are here and you guys were very gracious in wanting to cover the show and rewatch the show, share your thoughts on it, and be available to do this episode, which, again, each episode, it takes a lot to watch an entire show and come to this kind of show where we discuss the entire thing all at once. Um, Kathy and Mina, how have you guys been? What have you guys been up to real fast before we get started? I'll start. This is Kathy here. I sound completely different today than last time <laughs> because last last episode I was kind of dying with bronchitis and three other itises. So I'm happy to bring you guys my regular voice. So thanks for having me back just, just for that. Everything's <laughs> been great. Just, you know, BTS, K-pop land in general, being a multi-stan is a full-time job. Don't tell my boss. It's been great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking of BTS, Jin just released The Astronaut, his yes. debut single. Um, yeah, and we were talking about it at like 2 a.m. last night. So thank we you were. for uh, being my, my sleep paralysis demon and telling me all the things that I wasn't <laughs> noticing at the time from being so delusional and tired. Thank you. Well, my favorite thing is that you interpreted the video as being directly like he wasn't talking about other things he was definitely talking about army and his relationship to the fans and stuff and i was like yeah that could be the interpretation <laughs> i just <laughs> it's always funny to me when they're like this is a reference to the fans other than like a couple of obvious ones like army in the cross in the crossword or right. whatever it, right, it's right. it's kind of funny to me that like most videos well, most music videos are like oh this is a reference to us <laughs> Well, you fans. know, the girl's bike was purple and her helmet was purple, too. So we're just claiming ownership of it all. I get so. it. I get it. It's it does entertain <laughs> me, though. It does. Listen, our, our like our, our main job description is being delusional. I'm just <laughs> falling in line. That's all. Oh, Mina, what is up? like what have you been up to? Well, watching dramas at your behest, Jess, and also uh, my podcast is on a bit of a hiatus at the moment since I have to take time to actually read more and more books and that takes some time. So, But in the meantime, I started Idol Book Club, which is like a spinoff of my podcast that you're going to be my first guest on, where I will be reading a book recommended by, actually in this case for the first episode, BTS, called Almond. <laughs> And the premise of Idol Book Club is that it's like if you were to join a book club with your idols, like what books do they recommend and what do they read? And then we read and talk about it. Yeah, so that's what I've been up. Yeah, to. that was so much fun to guest on your pod and talk about Almond and read, read a book. Like I haven't read a book in so long and I used to <laughs> I used to be in publishing. So I feel like terrible in saying that. But, you know, I highly recommend you guys to follow each of these ladies and to like subscribe to their podcast and listen to them because they're both amazing of course kathy this is one half of mia2k podcast because laura's not here um 
We'll talk about I'll that. I'll go a little bit into that later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Cool, Don't cool, worry. cool. Set it up, Jess. Set I got, it, I got set it. the foreshadowing. You're the foreshadowing queen <laughs> in the K-drama world. I see I see you. You see me like the, setting it up for road, you later. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. Thank you. Awesome. I appreciate that. All right. I got a bit of housekeeping. So if this is your first time listening, thank you so much for pressing play on this episode. Please go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you like us, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And lastly, come check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at ATCDebugPod. And lastly, if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It is such a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. And I do want to shout out to our patrons, Janet, Curtis, Robin, Bale, Cindy, and CD. Thank you guys so much for being patrons and hopefully you'll get some more friends and more community in the Debak patron app community segment. All right. I think we're going to get started. We're going to get started talking about extraordinary attorney Wu. So I'll read the Asian wiki synopsis, which is blessedly not very long. <laughs> Wu Young Wu is extremely smart and she also has autism spectrum disorder. She never forgets what she sees, but she lacks in social skills and empathy. Wu Young-woo begins to work as a trainee lawyer at a large law firm. While working there, she faces prejudice and rationality against her, but she solves cases with her own unique perspective and grows as a lawyer. This originally aired earlier this year, from June to August 2022. It is, I believe, a Netflix original. It is 16 episodes long. It's directed by Yoon Sik, and he's also directed like things like Dr. Romantic, one, two, and three, <laughs> and Vagabond from 2019. It is written by Moon Ji-won, and he, this is his first TV drama writing credit ever. This is the first thing he's ever written for TV. And the only other thing that he's done is written a movie called Innocent Witness, which happens to also feature a character with autism. The o- if, if you can't already guess by Innocent Witness, the only witness to a murder case has autism. Very interesting. That came out in 2019. Attorney Wu Young Woo herself is played by Pak Eun Bin. She has about 31 TV credits to her name. She's actually a child actress, if you didn't know. And she's been in things like Operation Proposal from 2012, Hello My 20s, season one and two, which I highly recommend. Hello My 20s. That's actually a really nice slice of life show. The Ghost Detective Hot Stove League, which I hear is really good. Do You Like Brahms, which I really want to see at some point. The King's Affection, which I dropped, but she got a lot of acclaim for The King's Affection, which came out in 2021. Have either of you seen some Pakunbin stuff? No, ma'am. I have not. Okay, no problem. No problem. <laughs> I don't think you need to, to get through Extraordinary Attorney Wu. And the only other person I'll say from the cast is Kang Teo, who plays Ijuno. And he's been in Doom at Your Service, Run On, The Tale of Nakdu, and My First First Love, seasons one and two, which is a Netflix original as well. I quite liked My First First Love, um, which is the, f- the first season's like eight episodes, the second season's eight episodes. So if you watched it all together, it seems like a cohesive, like 16 episode show. Highly recommend that one. It's really cute. Um, yeah, I think that's it. All right, we're on the other side. Good. Tell me, Mina and Kathy, whoever wants to go first, what were your general thoughts on Extraordinary Attorney Wu? 
Mina, do you want to go, go first? first? Me? Okay. No, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just to give a little bit of background, I don't have a lot of K-drama experience under my belt. I stay away from K-dramas because I have a very addictive personality and K-pop already takes up all of my time. So if I start watching K-dramas for real, I will not have a job. But I decided to watch Attorney Woo because their uh, TikTok, the Netflix Korea TikTok came for me and and really targeted me hard with all their videos and i kind of i obviously everybody was talking about it for mm-hmm. all of like our summer yeah so i decided to download it for some long flights from florida to california so i downloaded like the 10 episodes i watched them on each leg and then i watched the rest when i got home and i have to say i i don't really usually cry <laughs> or with movies or with tv shows interesting but this show got me like okay there were uh, like a good three episodes that made me cry during the first flight i don't know if i was going through something that day or something <laughs> but yeah i actually like i mean honestly it's just it's pack on bin's like acting like she's just incredible mm. i really cannot uh speak highly enough of her acting in this show so i really think that uh all the acting in general all the actors all of the scenes or the way that everything was set up really uh, got me and just just to really quickly bring something up because I found it in my research some people actually get offended when they hear it being called a Netflix original because Netflix did not contribute monetarily to the production mm-hmm. of the show it's just on Netflix mm-hmm. so before anybody comes for anybody here on the show uh, please don't we are just <laughs> you know it's on Netflix you can watch it there yep That's I all. totally get That's that it. and I mm-hmm. see why people get upset but also sure relax I mean, if you like i upset, don't that just means that you really don't have that much going on in your life oh, okay kathy let's all right sorry my bad I, I mean i said relax and then you took it a, burf, a bit further um yeah you can see it on netflix there you period go. <laughs> all right so you were very emotional while watching this show yes okay mm-hmm. and you don't usually get emotional i don't and just for context your co-host laura <laughs> Did not. So this is the moment. Yeah. This is the moment where I, I'm going to drag Laura. So Laura, on the other hand, opposite uh, for me, actually does watch a lot of K-dramas. She likes to watch other types of K-dramas. She could not get through the first episode of Extraordinary Tori Mu. So mm. if that tells you anything, which it shouldn't, because Laura just has very specific taste. And uh, the fact that she couldn't really finish the episode, even though I was begging her to just give it a chance and just get through the one hour... But she literally dropped it and went to watch the one that Dio's starring in right now, I think. Mm. So, Another law. You know, um, he's a prosecutor in now. Something prosecutor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, I don't I don't have <laughs> I don't have a reason to excuse Laura. She's a monster and that's that. So it's fine. Okay. Uh, no, just kidding. If anybody <laughs> just didn't like it, you know you can uh, go to Laura or resonate with her and talk about it on on the DMs because she will understand why you couldn't get through it. But <laughs> fair enough. I don't I don't agree. I don't agree with that. All right. So it hits you right in the feels, Kathy Mina. What did what did you think of Extraordinary Attorney Will? Uh well I think my K drama watching experience is somewhere between you and Kathy and that I don't watch as many as you as as much as I would like to. But I watch seemingly more than Kathy. So I was a little bit on the fence of the first episode where I was like I don't know, especially because it was super hyped because I watched it like now mm-hmm. after it already like aired and there was so much content, everyone doing the, the ooh to the wound to the you, <laughs> yeah. like, and all that, <laughs> to the young to the ooh. Um, and I didn't know what to expect. 
And I was sort of like, by the end of the whole thing, I was like, why was it this mm. like evocative for people? Because, you know, the city of Seoul did like fireworks of whales <laughs> in like, you know, and like yeah. over the Han River. And it was like a very big cultural touch point, it seemed yeah. like from at least far away. And I don't know that I really got that. But I do agree that I thought it was worth like sticking through mm-hmm. past the first episode if you could stomach it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm somewhere in between you, Mina, and Kathy, because I watched it again after having gone through the summer of Attorney Wu Young Wu. Go to the young, woo to the young, to woo. Go to the young, to Rami. Like, I friggin', like, was sick of it. It was all over TikTok. It was blown way out of proportion. And now, finally sitting down to watch it, I kind of feel like the way that the K-drama editors and the people who were really advocating for Attorney Wu Young Woo kind of missed the point because all of the content that they were putting out there was solely uh, Kang Teo and yeah. the romance. <laughs> and I was like, like, I feel like we need to have like a small discussion here at this point because it's yeah. getting ridiculous when these dramas, which are not romance dramas i don't consider extraordinary attorney woo a romance drama agree people watch these shows that are more slice of life more character studies more whatever and they are like sucking out like tiny bits of romance and blowing it way out of proportion and just i guess for marketing i don't know if it's for marketing or what but it just if felt disingenuous to the show to just focus on the romance even though it is mm-hmm. quite extraordinary and we're going to talk about it for sure but yeah. ultimately that was not the point of the drama <laughs> like in no way shape or form was that the point of the drama to me at all so to their point though they got me from all those clips yeah so you know they it, it worked the marketing worked and I agree that I, I would not consider it a romance drama mm-hmm. at all. But it, that's what intrigued me just because I knew, again, the conversation was happening about the autism uh, spectrum disorder, all those things. And I was like, mm, OK, I, I want to see like how this really, really hot, beautiful man ends up like pursuing <laughs> her because he was in the pursuit. It wasn't just like a story where two people fall in love. Like he was very actively pursuing her and she was very much not sure what to do with him. So <laughs> I was intrigued by that and I was like, let me go watch. Mm-hmm. So it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a story about first love. It's a story about birth secrets. It's a story about uh, like autism and uh, prejudice and discrimination in all shapes and forms within her life. And it's really daunting to see how much ground the show covered because each episode covered a new kind of facet of just negativity from people, whether it be lying, whether it be the ethics of, of law, of defending people, what have you. It just seemed very complex. And I feel like ultimately it was a positive experience, but one that I don't need to have again. I don't feel like I need to return to Extraordinary Attorney Wu and this story and the fact that it's kind of guaranteed, I think, at this point that they're going to do a season two once mm-hmm. Kang Teo gets out of his military um, service. And I just, I don't see why. <laughs> like, truly, yeah, I don't either. I don't get it. I don't know why. People wanted closure. People wanted more from the relationship. And I'm like, what more 
did you want? Like it was. What more is yeah, there? Yeah. What more is there? <laughs> so, okay. Me and Mina are on the same page about that for same, sure. Same, 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 same. I'm on the same. Yeah. Even though like I enjoyed it and I had my crying sessions, I thought it was enough. I don't need a season two, especially not in 2024. No. <laughs> you're going to tell me you're going to come back in 2024, Extraordinary Attorney Woo season two? Get out. I mean, I might for Kangteo. I'm saying I don't need But the to, thing is, Kangteo is on the up and up. I know. And he yeah. deserves to have other projects and do different things and show different range. Maybe he wants to, I don't know, play a different, a dark character instead of a good character. Like, who who knows, yeah. like, what he, what he has plans to do for his career. And now he's, like, shoehorned into doing an Attorney Woo <laughs> season two once he gets out of the I military. I feel like, though, he... This character was so similar to his character in Run On. Mm. At least I didn't watch all of Run On, but I was like, is he always like this? Because that's the only other thing I've seen him in. Like, always just this puppy dog. Yeah. Well, he was like that too <laughs> in of. My First First Love. That was like his well, character. I hope he, maybe they can do it without him somehow, but like, yeah. Maybe, I don't know. I kind of just feel like know, leave, leave them alone at this point. Like, they can move on and do other projects and you can see these people again. We don't need to return. Because it seems like people literally just want a season two just to get more romance. It it might be that isn't their boss going to die? Oh, Oh, the boss. No, No, he's going to survive. (laughs) All right. Well, Uh, we can talk about that later. That's (laughs) yeah. So I think we all, well, at least me, I was very, very hesitant to watch the show. And I was very, very hesitant to comment on it and talk about it on the podcast, truly. Because I feel like I'm woefully unprepared, ill-equipped to talk about a a very layered and underrepresented kind of character with the autism coming from Attorney Wu. Having this autistic character seemed to have put everyone in a in a tizzy they were like oh my god we've never seen this kind of character this is great representation and i feel like k-dramas are turning to um mental like different mental illnesses whether it's like disorders like antisocial personality disorder which is very popular in k-dramas or they're turning to variously autistic characters because of course it is a spectrum and you have characters like the older brother and it's okay to not be okay who's got a very severe form of autism and is kind of almost non-functioning almost i say because of course he is very functioning and you have characters like uh, the main kid from move to heaven who is also autistic and these are relatively recent shows and i'm kind of like wondering why Attorney Wu was the one that like made waves, you know. Why didn't these other ones? I wonder that too. Kind of bridge the gap and not bridge the gap, break the glass ceiling for K dramas. So, do you, do you guys have any thoughts about that? I mean, I think it's okay to not be okay that the actor who played the older brother with autism on the uh, with ASD did get so mm-hmm. ma- many accolades and acclaim and everyone thought that was like a really big deal mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. good because his acting also was so good and that whole show had like a lot of strong acting yeah. but I don't know why either this show is suddenly like I don't know turning on it seems like some kind of awareness more mm-hmm. than even that show did I really don't know yeah do you have any thoughts Kathy I'm gonna take it a step further in a Not- second <laughs> 
Sure. I, I Again, I haven't watched a lot of shows, so I can't tell you why this one worked over others. All I can say is this show specifically had a quite small range of ASD showcased with the characters that they showcased. Like, there was one that just was said to have an intellectual disability, not necessarily autism. Mm -hmm. And then there was that other uh, character who had a very... Uh, high level of uh, autism spectrum disorder where he was an adult but uh, his brain was developed to the point of a six-year-old I believe was that episode right ish or he was you, you know he had uh, those developmental issues so even though it had a very small range I think the fact that Wu's character had pretty advanced ASD it showed a lot of just vulnerability issues and things that I think people found relatable mm -hmm. and I don't know it's it's really the thing that touched me and the reasons why I cried every time that I cried watching the episode mm -hmm. was because I I could empathize with her struggle like she always felt like an outsider she felt othered mm -hmm. she mm -hmm. was struggling to understand and to attach herself to things and and she wanted to she just l genuinely couldn't and I genuinely felt for that mm -hmm. struggle and it was something that was very relatable we have all kind of been outsiders for whatever reason in our lives so maybe even though obviously it's a very specific disorder and there's you know the 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 spectrum there's all kinds of people in it They're, they've always talked about that that you cannot say if you know one person with autism right. you know one person with autism you don't know the whole like you can't say that two people with autism have the same circumstances mm -hmm. so i don't know i just think it was really relate relatable and really well acted is what i can say for myself i i think i'm going to agree with you but i'm also going to take it a step further because I saw, and I can't remember the name of this creator, but this was in the summer. So good luck to me trying to find this these <laughs> series of videos again. Um, yeah. But yeah, this creator who I believe either himself was a, um, autistic, but I don't know if he was ASD. But anyway, he was talking about the good things and the bad things about Attorney Wu and the popularity that it's getting and how essentially the bad of extraordinary attorney woo was how it's perpetuating stereotypes about people with asd mm -hmm. yeah. and i completely 100 percent agree with that and i was afraid of watching the show and feeling a negative way towards this portrayal because it really is kind of just perpetuating the same things over and over that people yeah. believe about asd and you know she was you know, echo, echolalia, like a repetition of others, disliked tags on clothes, was very neat and orderly, had OCD level of, of being neat, uh, obsession with whales, like just an obsession with like a single thing, couldn't keep eye contact, had a photographic memory. All these things are stereotypes, like, uh, because mm -hmm. you yeah. can have a person with ASD that is a mess, doesn't like to clean, doesn't like, being neat and orderly has no OCD and things like that really bother me, mm -hmm. especially now in 2022, maybe not in 1999 when I was watching things like Rain Man or <laughs> um, Forrest Gump, like things like that, movies yeah. like that, which have gone out of fashion here in the States for a multitude of reasons. But over here, we 
I think we are more aware of representation and having people and actors given the opportunity to portray these things because they come from that community, whether mm-hmm. it's LGBTQ, whether it's, you know, um, obese characters. Like, why are we having actors in fat suits when you can hire an actual person who is trying to, uh, you know, act, be in this industry and they mm-hmm. can fit the character? They are from that community. What have you? And to mm-hmm. have Paquimbin play, a character with ASD and do it really well is great. I'm not knocking her performance. I think it's a great thing. But what does that say about Korea, which 2022, they're just getting going on some of these portrayals of people from other, from different communities, from the mental side. People in Korea have a real problem or there's a stigma around getting mental health help alone let alone people that have actual like asd like that's a neurological condition so like to me it's like a step in the right direction but like three steps back i I get how you feel i i've always felt not always but in context of k dramas and things that i've seen i feel like korea south korea tends to be around 20 to 30 years behind on the woke culture and things that are, like you said, you've already w- gone through this with Forrest Gump, with Rayman. The one that I thought about was I Am Sam. I, I Am felt Sam. Like that movie, yes. That movie was huge. Like, I remember watching it. I still lived in Venezuela, and it was such a, like, a moment to mm-hmm. advocate for people with disabilities mm-hmm. and for people mm-hmm. that have any sort of intellectual challenges. So I agree with you in the fact that it feels dated. It doesn't really feel something that we should be talking about in such a elementary way today. Mm. But for South Korea, the, right. these are their baby steps. They're they're going through what we went 20 to 30 years ago. And, you know, at some point, hopefully they'll catch up quickly to where we are now. Mm-hmm. And I think that same creator had a positive video. He talked later, He like because I think he did a comment thing. Like I saw the positive one and he said, now that I shared the negative, I do have some positives to talk about. And he had some good yes. things to say about what the show did as a whole. Exactly. So of course, there's going to be negative and positive, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I do, did, do I think this show did it right? I don't know. I can mm. tell you that I enjoyed watching the show. I don't know how people with ASD might feel in in terms of representation, like you said. Not having an actual person with ASD mm-hmm. acting, I don't know if they feel like mocked or if they felt right. like seen. I don't know. Right. I genuinely That's don't know. My... Which is, I understand why you hesitated to even talk about this. Yes. It's very sensitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mina? We okay, well, Mina? I did research. Mina, come through. That's <laughs> all <laughs> Yeah, so I um, did do some research. So a couple of things about, first of all, autism spectrum disorder in Korea. It's sort of a newer field of research for them. I think, like you were saying, just mental illness generally in Korea is something that is highly stigmatized and people don't really want to talk about it. I think those of us who follow K-pop community very closely know that it's more become in recent years more of a discussion, more of an issue that's been more people are more open about. For autism spectrum disorder, it's relatively new, like I said, and in terms of research, they really only started getting into researching it in Korea in 2004, and uh, which is very recent, as you can imagine. Um, 
some of the things that I saw surrounding journalism about Attorney Wu that's written in English has to do with a New York Times article where they did interview someone who himself has ASD and is, and actually I might be misgendering, but no, it's he, it's a he. So he is himself ASD and um, is a professor at university, in high university in South Korea. And he was saying like kind of similar mixed feelings uh, as a person with, with ASD who's thinking, you know, this could have a negative impact where everyone in Korea might now just think we all eat gimbap like that, like all obsessively <laughs> and, um, you know, like, like, but he also was appreciative of the fact that now there's even a discussion about it because autism and disability in general is seen as something to be highly stigmatized. Mm. The reasons surrounding that have all kinds of things to do with um, like something I read talked about the homogeneity that is sort of preferred in Korean society where like everyone has to do the same things and the high success culture of like you have to go to good school you have to like get going to get, get in a good university and get a good job so sometimes parents won't even take their kids to get tested or want to admit that there's something wrong people who are high functioning they think like really bypassed the whole system. In 2011, there was all these reports that Korea has like twice as much autism or ASD as other parts of the world. And by that, I mean like 1% of United States individuals, for example, they think are ASD, whereas in Korea it was like something like 2% that they were estimating in 2011. And then subsequently they thought, actually we have these newer metrics of how we're measuring, we're assessing more people, we're kind of delving into this more. And they, regardless, they thought it was underdiagnosed in Korea. But the fact that people try to hide it, those who are both people who are high functioning, like attorney Wu type of person might be, and the people who, you know, you hear about in other cultures, other countries, I'm not sure if in Korea as much, but I could see it being a thing. So don't quote me on this. But like the individual who was obsessed with Pengsu, for example, who had like more of a six year old child mentality, those types of people are kind of like tucked away somewhere away from like general society mm. because people don't want to talk about it because there's associated shame and some of that shame has to do with the confucianism and buddhism because uh, i read in this one of my things and i'll send you all the articles of what i read that in buddhism there's a belief in some aspects of buddhism that what you are like in this life is like you're you're making up your right. sins or you're being punished for something in your last life so some people have this like belief of okay well I did something wrong or I'm inadequate as a person or something is wrong because my child is ASD or I am that way because I have ASD so there's I think for something like this and why Korea is so behind it has also to do with the fact that a lot of people in Korea are don't have something like a, people with ASD on the forefront of their mm. mind. They they don't maybe see it. They really just see what's on dramas. And in K-drama, we talked about It's Okay to Not Be Okay is one example. And there was also even Good Doctor, mm -hmm. which they made an American yep. show, Good Doctor, and there was, was also a Korean show. And so you really see a lot in Korean uh, dramas, according to what I read, this dichotomy of like either you're the savant, like attorney Wu, you're mm -hmm. a genius, or you're like basically like the person who is a little more like super dependent on his mom, obsessed with Peng mm -hmm. Su, you know, cartoon <laughs> type thing. And um, and so they don't have an idea. And maybe what Attorney Wu did for people was see someone because even in um, It's Okay to Not Be Okay, he was so dependent right. on his brother and his family. And he was a bit helpless and she had a lot of autonomy and agency. And maybe that's why it like awoke, awakened people <laughs> to something. Right. I'm so glad you did all that research. Mina, it is so helpful to know where the Korean Peninsula is in terms of the research, especially <laughs> behind ASD and that, because, you know, we don't have a frame of reference for what the populace is comfortable with and what how they perceive people with ASD. And you're totally right. 
it, that they kind of just get it through osmosis, through the K-dramas. And I love how you brought up the topic of agency for Attorney Wu, because that was something that really struck me as a positive thing about this portrayal and um, this character was that she had so much agency and she was grappling with a lot of kind of choices that other people with ASD didn't necessarily have to make if they were in her shoes. And I especially loved her, how she kind of dealt with the emotional and the relationship, emotional romantic relationships, I should say, in her life. And just her relationship with Kang Teo's character, Juno, was quite unique because I don't think you find a lot of portrayals in K-drama or just in general, even in Western media, of people with ASD having a thriving romance life and having romantic partners that are so respectful and understanding of their condition and who really try to uh, compliment them in their daily lives. And so... I think that's not only is Kang Tao's character such a green flag, but he is unique because he grapples with very real, very real things when he is with Attorney Wu. And Attorney Wu is also trying to navigate this new thing. Like, how can she satisfy, you know, Juno in the relationship? And how can she. Um, be there for him in ways that he is there for her. Can she, is, I think the topic that I'm trying to get at is equity because, you know, the balance, the scales are quite different for her relationships, all of her relationships. And I think that I don't want to spoil anything for the rest of the show, but basically it is quite realistic to see them and their evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys have any thoughts about her agency and the the romance and how it's kind of handled throughout the show? Nothing that can be said without the spoiler territory. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, I I guess we'll just talk really fast about some fun facts and then we we can get into the spoiler territory. Oh, we'll give our scores and then we'll get into the spoilers. So. Mm-hmm. The Korean name for this show is actually translated into Strange Lawyer Woo Young Woo, which I don't think the Western audience necessarily would get behind <laughs> versus Extraordinary Attorney Woo. So the, not the director, the writer, Moon Ji-won, was asked about this title. Why did you choose the title Strange Lawyer Woo Young Woo? And he said, I thought the word strange was very appropriate to describe the character Woo Young Woo. There are unfamiliar and heterogeneous negative meanings, but I thought that strangeness leads to creativity and the power to make a better society. What do you guys think of that? How do you guys feel about this title? Um, I am trying to learn Korean to some extent, and I think that maybe this is a case of, and I think you guys may speak other languages as well, but if you speak other languages, you know that sometimes words, when they get translated to English, are a little nuanced and off, 
compared to like like for sure i think if we were heard strange attorney we would be like that's a negative like strangeness has a negative connotation off the bat maybe some of us may think that who are english speakers whereas maybe in korean and i don't know for sure um it's not so much something you automatically go to as like that is bad so maybe it makes more sense in a Korean context to call it strange attorney woo than it would for us in like a Western or American context, Anglophile, Anglophone, I mean, context. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a little bit complicated because I'm a writer uh, for a living. I work in corporate America. I've been writing for 10 years, mostly in the software world. So I'm not really writing about emotional topics that often, mm-hmm. but I do have... a a very intense sensitivity towards word usage. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like the word strange, as Mina said, in an English-speaking context has a negative connotation. So I I get the the positive spin to it, (laughs) but I do understand why Netflix went with, let's use extraordinary, because Mm -hmm. that's just (laughs) going to be a lot more palatable for the woke audiences of the West. Mm -hmm. I agree. And it's okay to not be okay was originally called Psycho, but it's okay, which they changed as well. <laughs> I knew about that one, but like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just. Fine. Thanks for bringing I mean, that I'm up. Also yeah. trying. I'm also trying to learn Korean, and it's it's you know when you watch K dramas or when you see anything and you see what the translation does, it's not just a, a friendly to you know the West or whatever. They literally just completely change things to make it make sense to us because of the whole context difference that happens within South Korean conversation. So it's really the layers of complication are there. What I like is that the writer Moon Ji-won said there are unfamiliar and heterogeneous negative meanings. But mm-hmm. his take was, well, I just think because she's strange, she can do all these wonderful things. But I also don't feel like that's enough. No. You know what I'm saying? That. Like, I, I see what you're saying, uh, Moon Ji-won, but it's not enough to me. All right. I don't. I don't think he's had the sensitivity training because, for example, <laughs> one of the words that you avoid, like my my brother did a lot of work with the Special Olympics, and he used to work for an organization in Orlando, actually, just mm-hmm. right by your neck of the woods, called OCA, mm-hmm. that works with a lot of people that have lots of different uh, disabilities. Mm-hmm. And you know, when they do Special Olympics stuff, for example, like they they never use the word normal. That's right. something, for example, that never gets used. So using the word strange immediately uh, <laughs> triggers the not normal thing. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. I think for this community, it just wouldn't be, it wouldn't be welcomed. That word. Right. I think there's a sense of otherness to Correct. strange attorney woo in the Korean language that Correct. we're not getting here in the States, which may contribute to our positive feelings toward the shows because we're watching extraordinary attorney woo and everyone exactly. in Korea is watching strange attorney woo. And they're like, wow, she is so strange. And I feel like also I wanted to mention this, <laughs> that all of the negative, really biased characters in the show who are discriminating against or otherwise abusing Attorney Wu in one shape or another, mm-hmm. I feel like the Korean audience understands where that person is coming from versus Attorney Wu's side, which is where we mm-hmm. come in and think, you know, why aren't you sympathizing with Attorney Wu? Why aren't you putting yourself mm-hmm. in her shoes? Why aren't you understanding the sensitivity of, of whatever situation they're in? And I feel like the writer intentionally did that so that eventually by the end of the episode or by the end of the show the korean audience would sympathize with attorney Wu and kind of learn that these situations and these actions are not okay yeah self-reflect yeah Yeah. 
I do feel like there's so much calling out that was definitely pointed towards an, a maybe Korean audience potentially because they were like, well, she was number one top of her school at Seoul National University, the best school ever in mm-hmm. Korea. And she got 100 percent or whatever on the bar. I don't know anything about law school, but um, <laughs> she, you know, they were really honing in on these things that would make like the average Korean person so Mm -hmm. proud and highlighting that in order to be like, this is deeply like the rest of the way she's being treated by these other people is so unfair Mm -hmm. because she's just as capable, Mm -hmm. but she's different. Yes. Mm -hmm, 100% Mina. That's it. They crafted a perfect character who without her disability would be the cream of the crop, salt of the earth, a great person to have in your law office and any, uh, you know, law firm would be happy to accept her. But, you know, because of this one thing, (laughs) they don't, even though she's great on paper. And I think that was on purpose, 100% on purpose. Yeah. Speaking of on paper, that whole scene where like her resume, the first page was Mm. just her resume and the second page talked about her ASD. Yeah. Removing that page uh, from the resume so her manager wouldn't see it and just kind of be partial to her is literally the physical representation of what you just said. Mm -hmm. If you remove the disorder from the equation, she is the most qualified person Mm -hmm. to literally run any law Mm -hmm. office in South Korea. Yet she wasn't hired for six months Mm -hmm. before the show starts. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Okay. So the last thing we talked some heavy stuff in the front half of this episode. I hope we can get a little lighter (laughs) in the second half. Yes, we will. All right. Don't worry, guys. We'll get there. So, Last thing I'll say is the ratings. Extraordinary Attorney Wu from the Encyclopedia of Wikipedia. Uh, Attorney Wu set the record for the highest ratings in ENA history. It received audience acclaim with its final episode recording at 17.5 nationwide ratings, making it, making it the seventh highest rated K-drama in Korean cable history and sixth highest rated television drama by the number of viewers. So it really did gangbusters in Korea, especially. People were watching Extraordinary Attorney Woo. So I think a combination of factors contributed to that. And we covered a lot of that already. But I think ultimately I'm happy that it did really well, especially in Korea. I would would actually rather it do well in Korea than worldwide, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I feel like Korea really needs it. Versus us. (laughs) I don't don't know how to put it. Actually, I was reading a book that said France was... um, So I read a book by an author with ASD who is American. Mm. I believe he's Mexican-American. He uh, is Eric Garcia. And he wrote a book um, called We Are Not Broken. And I really recommend that if you're interested in ASD or just that community in general. But anyway, he mentions that France was called at by the United Nations for their treatment of... AS, the ASD community because they tend to institutionalize people. Jesus. I don't I don't think he said exactly when that was, if that's like right now, if it was like 10 years ago or what. But um, I do think whoever is watching it, I think, like I agree with you, Jess, because I'm like, I think it does almost – yeah, you could be stereotyping them, but I think the fact, like I was saying earlier in my in my history of studying um, ASD in Korea, uh, a, a researcher studying it, a lot of people don't even know mm-hmm. anything about mm-hmm. ASD. They have like no, they, they only have negative connotations because they maybe have only seen like uh, media representations of highly mm-hmm. um, disabled or highly affected by ASD people. Right. So to have her is is good for anyone watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What would you give the show out of five soldier bottles? <laughs> don't everyone go at once 
I would only give it, I think, like three and a half. I, I'm on the low end of it, but that's just because I think it was hyped to an extreme mm. extent. And maybe if I saw it while everyone else was first watching it in Korea, I'd feel differently. I don't know. I think points taken for hype always because yeah. you can't, you can't, I mean, it's different if you came out to it on your own after the fact, you didn't get into all of this hype, you weren't surrounded by all things Extraordinary Tony Wu. And I feel you, Mina, like on that 3.5. Kathy? So I think when I was going to give it the rating, the connection failed. So I'm thinking that's a sign that I rated it too high, but whatever, it's fine. Uh, For me, it was a solid four. I enjoyed it. I, it made me cry. The acting was really superb, in my opinion. And a lot of the things about the show can be criticized, fairly so. But I do think it's more uh, trending on the positive than the negative side. Yeah. I'm going to go, I never do this, but I'm going to give like a halfway score. So I'm going to give 3.75 for my score because I feel in the middle between you guys about it. So yeah. Sure. All right. That's fair. All right. We're going to, let's talk spoilers and good things about this show. Yes. In the spoiler section. Okay. Right after this, we'll be back with spoilers. Hey, you want to come in? All right, ladies, we're on the other side of spoilers. So I don't know where you guys would like to start. If there are some storylines or episodes that you would like to talk about first. You know, okay, yeah, cool. I want to talk about the Pied Piper episode, which to me was the most standout <laughs> one. Also, I love Gu Gyohan, who played the Pied Piper guy yeah. from Deserted Yes, DP. He <laughs> love him. He's always such a weirdo, and or at least he was in those two. Um, but also, I would kill someone who did that to my kids. So. <laughs> totally. If I if totally. I even had kids. Yeah. But, you know. So anyway, did you guys have thoughts about? That I did. It was very. Hmm. I was on the fence about, not about the episode, but about like the way that this character went about this manifesto kind of like thing that he was doing with the kids and kidnapping the kids. And I I don't know. He was this close to starting a child militia. Yeah, he was like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) what is it? He said he was the commander in chief of the child liberation army. Yeah, it was a little revolutionary for sure. (laughs) I don't know why he chose to go that route and make it kind of like a military-themed club, but I loved his philosophy, so to speak, of like, you shouldn't just cage the kids and make them study for 12 hours a day instead of having them be kids just because you want them to get ahead in your society where education is priority. Yeah. Because you've just robbed them of childhood, essentially. Um, I fully support that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I was that kid I, in school who came into kindergarten and I didn't know my ABCs. Mind you, this was 25 years ago, but whatever. And the teacher was like, called the parent-teacher conference and was like, your child doesn't know her ABCs. Usually the kids, by the, by the time they get into kindergarten, know their ABCs. And my mom was like, isn't this where you teach them, you know, all of this stuff? <laughs> and the teacher was like, well, she's behind. Like, bottom line, she's behind. So, like, I get it. But <laughs> but look at me now. <laughs> I know I my say, ABCs. Look, look at you yeah. now. With a, you, you know the ABC, the ATC? You have all yeah, the Yeah, I have the, the whole like- thing. So, 
I get why they don't want to run the risk of their child getting left behind, but they're so unhappy. The kids just want to be kids and play. And it's just brutal to see them being tortured in this manner. Yeah. I really like there's something that I like about the show as well. And it reminds me I watch uh, Trixie and Katya drag queens. They review a lot of Netflix shows and their thing is called I like to watch. And then every single episode that they do, they finish it with this show has everything. And then they list all like the major <laughs> points of this. Yeah. So this show literally I, I put it at the end of my notes like this drama has everything. The workaholic work life balance narrative. The competitiveness in school situation, the, you know, pressure is so much that sometimes people might look happy, but they then they might attempt uh, to harm themselves because that's something else that happened in another episode. The dad jokes, the poop humor, the makeover with just letting your hair down and like now all of a sudden you're a different person. And uh, the shout out of the show at the end of the the last episode, Jess, that I know you like to hear the name of the show at the end. Like the show really <laughs> covered all the bases. So with this, the Pied Piper episode, I also liked it. And I have, I did like a little, all the episodes list. And I put greens, the ones that I was like, oh, this is a cool case. Like, sure, I'll get behind it. Mm-hmm. And then I put some in red, like the stupid wedding dress case. I was like, this is, yeah. no, <laughs> like, stop it right now. <laughs> So, yeah, but the green, I think I had, like, if it's 16 episodes, but two of the episodes had uh, the same case kind of carry over, I had about, I would say, 10 green and four red, or maybe nine green and and five red. Okay. Is what I had. So, you know, it's a positive ratio for the most part. I think I found most of them pretty positive. Obviously, the wedding dress one was... It wasn't about not being positive. It was I was thinking of like what bothered me around about the episode mm. and it could have been something stupid like the the case with uh Gorami family like it's like the three brothers and stuff. I was just like mm. are you really going to tell me that she's going to stage this like drunken thing at the funeral? Like it was all obviously the show is a show is all based on loopholes. Mm-hmm. That's the only way cuz I'm like there was an actual contract that was signed. And the thing is like I w- I almost went to law school. I was this close to going to law school and I did like my law classes. You're kidding. So like I know verbal contracts. I was hoping and, one of you had that <laughs> experience. No, I, I, I cannot. I don't read enough. Clearly, that's why I didn't go to law school. So this is, <laughs> this is why I'm not qualified. <laughs> but just remembering like the whole thing of like verbal contracts and damages and things and all these conversations. I'm like, there was a signed paper with a seal, like the most official thing. Like this is stupid. So anyway, it, it could be very silly reasons why I just kind of marked them red for me. But the majority of the cases had something redeeming about them. Very few were just like, I was like, no, I can't. I can't even <laughs> concentrate here. Um, the one with the North Korean defector was one of my favorite ones. Oh, I think, my God. I think like I fell in love with that actress and that woman and like her character. Mm-hmm. It was just really uh, awesome to see that whole story play out. And I feel like here we w- when we watch uh, law uh, dramas or movies, everyone's so willing to lie on the stand while in this show everybody <laughs> was like way too honest and could not lie to literally save their lives it was hilarious so we have a history in the west of having really intense memorable law procedurals and every time someone takes the witness stand it is like i can't wait for shit to happen like you know how like legally blonde i thought it was yeah, her yeah, coming yeah. through the <laughs> Coming through the, the door. Uh, ammonium trigoxide yes. activated and you killed your dad. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then you have, um, <laughs> you know, a few good men with the <laughs> the whole, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, we have these really 
dramatic moments in courtrooms. And there wasn't that many moments like that in Attorney Wu. No. No. I kind of wonder if they made some of the cases kind of low key so you could like also focus on the characters yeah. and the work. Because sometimes this drama seemed like a work drama to yes. me, workplace drama to me more than anything. And it's because they had these like all these like alliances and whatever, like, you know, who's on whose side and who's actually like, why was she hired and all this other stuff going on. So if we had intense cases on top of it more than we did, it would have been like, maybe too mm-hmm. much. I agree. Yeah. I was really confused about the law practice because they seem to take every single kind of case there was and I know. it's very segmented here in the west like the law firms are specializing in like a certain type of thing or they have a couple of different attorneys that specialize you know what i'm saying right. they do family planning wills and trusts they do uh criminal defense attorneys that's like right. a specific you can't just go to your neighborhood attorney and be like i just got booked for this you need yeah. to. Re- I need someone to represent me in criminal. No, and then sometimes mm-hmm. you need litigators. That's like a whole nother kind of. So for them to take all these different kind of cases, I was like reeling. <laughs> I was like, what kind of law office is this? Where they just take any case? I had in my. Yeah, I had my notes, Judge Judy, because they were going from like civil to criminal cases. I wish yes. I could share my just, screen like, with you because I wrote the same thing. You I wrote the literal same thing. You thought it was people's it court. Specifically, <laughs> specifically about the which case that I write it for I can't find it here but there was one specific case that I was like what is this like ridiculousness here it doesn't um <laughs> yeah I put the unbelievable cases that should have been on a judge Judy type of court not a serious one like I, I wrote that in my notes because I felt the same way so yeah they were clowning the suspension of belief situation was not no they, I could I couldn't I was like this is silly but you know the the character storylines I guess were more important those episodes yeah I was. ultimately I was like I can't do anything about this. I'm just going to have to take it for what it is. So yeah. <laughs> you had to really, I had to really like down. tone it down. Cause I, you know, I've, my mom has worked for law firms her entire life, her entire working life. So I've been in and out for 30 years of my life in law offices and visited her and interned there and shit like that. And I want, I was going to go to law school too, Kathy, but I didn't, as soon as I took my first, um, what's it called? like the tests that you have to take the LSAT I took an LSAT, LSAT. prep class and I was like bye <laughs> yeah deuces no I was I was like in pre-law and all these things and I took a class and I, I made it pretty far I was like one of the students chosen to do like the plaintiff whatever like uh, case thing mm-hmm. but it was not, I, I knew it wasn't for me in yeah. the long term yeah. and I'm glad I, you know that's not for me yo I did an, an internship at the public defender's office and I got to meet help me Howard <laughs> I don't know who that is. You don't know who that is? Oh, my God. That's like South no. Florida royalty. It was out of the, for- South- the Fort Lauderdale um, Broward County Courthouse. And oh. he is like uh, a personality that goes on the news stations and they like write in like, I, I some- this happened to me like I need help. Help me, Howard, or whatever. So they write gotcha. into it and he gotcha. gives them like adv- legal advice and he like helps them out. And that does sound very South Florida. The segment is called Help Me Howard. So that's why I said I met Help Me Howard. <laughs> Look at you. Look at you. Anyway, it's this way. little man with a tiny ponytail. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's an attorney in the public defender's office. Anyway, long story short, I am a bastion of legal know-how over here. So, you know, if I say it's not right, it's not right. Exactly. <laughs> she said what she said. I said what I said. Guys, I'm joking. I don't know anything about the law, so 
Anyway. And we certainly don't know anything about Korean law. That and was the other thing. I was like, is this a real law? Like, what is going on here? Yes. I, didn't I can't fact check Korean laws, and nor do I want to. Yeah. So, no. That yeah. was another one there. that, without getting too deep into it, when they were toying with the idea of uh Young Woo coming to Boston, oh, I was yeah. like, oh, so she's just going to have to, you know, go to law school for another three years, take the bar, learn English, right. like, do all the things. Like, they're just talking about it like it's an easy peasy, like, you know, a home exchange, like she's on all pair or something. But like, do they have no. branches, like Korean branch? america branch of law firms I like that guess. was also weird that was it bizarre was, is that a thing with the paperwork in english with the folder like i was like <laughs> no. this is not adding like up, it's ma'am. a college like, like brochure admissions yeah. back no <laughs> yeah. i don't literally i don't think so i'm calling bullshit on that literally. too also second yeah. to that because you mentioned boston i have this in my notes is there like a thriving ASD community in Boston? Because like, they, I was gonna Google it and I did not. The only thing I think is Harvard is there. So like maybe they were trying to allude to like Harvard research or like maybe Harvard has some amazing psych like ASD thing that she could have used as a resource and that's why. But they couldn't say Harvard. I don't know. I really don't. That really threw me because they were like, you could get help there. You can get counselors and therapists and there's a thri- like, there's a thriving water like everyone is ASD <laughs> yeah on? the thriving communities thing the also, thriving like, ASD community that they promised was in Boston like they for all her. live together yeah, yeah yeah it was like a commune and I, a gated community <laughs> I was like what the fuck are they trying <laughs> to sell like- her on here like is I have never heard of such a thing about Boston does Boston know they're spreading like, these you- lies about Boston? I don't know. <laughs> it was also weird. They were like, she could get all these resources. I was like, what resources does she need? Mm-hmm. Like, she seems pretty okay. Yeah. Like, she doesn't even, she barely sees her dad and she lives with him. Yeah. So I was like, very confused where, where any of that was coming from. Oh, man. Okay. So I want to talk about the chief attorney, uh, the one that got stomach cancer, because he kind of goes through an evolution in the very first episode where he ends up with him he's amazing but he ends up apologizing to her in the very first episode because he says visiting people offsite is difficult even for ordinary attorneys and she's like okay and then she starts walking out the room and he says no 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 wait like i'm sorry i shouldn't have said that that was you know out of pocket and he just recognized his own bias and condescending language in that moment and i love that they show a lot of characters learning and kind of very quickly very quickly yeah yeah mm-hmm. i think the I thing ha- about I- him is he had this like strong moral compass and fairness compass like a justice thing or something and so when the boss lady was like why would you not like give her a chance like let's see if she can you know make it or not in this sort of trial run and then he was like okay fine you're right i will and then but, and then he catches himself like quickly when he's like not being fair to her but I, I think he acted that really well. Like, I got this sense that he was someone with, like, this strong mm, yeah. moral or just character. Mm. I agree. He sold me on it. I, I wrote down her manager, Young Suk, had the fastest turnaround of all time on going from <laughs> lack of patience to full acceptance. And and personally, aside from, you know, the main characters and stuff, he had the best character arc for me mm. in terms of where he started, what he showcased, his problems, the stomach cancer, whatever, his workaholism, making him lose his wife, and then at the end kind of recovering it and being this like relaxed dude like especially the trip to Je- uh, Jeju Island oh yeah that was fantastic he was like wearing the Hawaiian shirt yeah. and jumping into the fun car without the like the roof down he was like I want to like, go in I the really, drop top <laughs> yeah yeah and getting his uh pork noodles and stuff like I I think I really like his journey and his character as a whole yeah it was very entertaining to watch very entertaining very sweet uh you can't help but love him you can't help but feel that he's 
immediately turns into an ally in episode yeah. one. And he yep. does have kind of like a YOLO experience towards the end of the show yeah. where he's just like, I, you know, why am I working so hard for what? Nobody's here. And I, I feel like I missed out on having a full life with my ex-wife because I still love her and I kind of messed yeah. it up like immediately with my own workaholic habits and me making her feel lonely in the relationship and stuff like that. Like he's learned... He's not only learning to interact with people with ASD and having more empathy. Yeah. But and and also like his mentality towards law as well. He's learning from attorney Wu how to be a social uh, what was the what's the term? Justice, social yes, justice. Social justice and have yeah. more of a heart when it comes to that because he's just been so one track mind all this time yeah, he's a perfect person for the audience to kind of anchor to mm. because he represents he, he should represent the journey that kind of everyone goes through and what You're you right. said about his line at the first episode he's like ordinary attorneys would blah 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 mm -hmm. but then at that last episode he said i can tell you what i would do but uh you're not a normal person like you're an extraordinary attorney mm -hmm. and that's where he like you know the full, full circle <laughs> of it all it kind of comes through him he's like the narrator almost yeah yeah he's the uh, audience surrogate in the in the yeah exactly thank yeah. you yeah yeah i really like him so episode mm -hmm. two we had that wedding dress fiasco that none yeah. of us liked the only thing that was yeah. the positive was that you know, attorney the LGBT Wu. coming out at the end. Oh, oh yeah, no, that <laughs> the, was the, the that was coming out. telegraphed as that well. Was so funny. That was that great. Was so funny. She was like, "I'm a Buddhist and I, I'm a lesbian," and I was like, "Okay, girl." <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, I need "Yeah, yeah." I need all this. <laughs> it was a lot. Um, but the bride with the nip slip wasn't the the term was psychologically independent from her father. And that mirrors Uyangu's own dependence on her father. And that's when mm -hmm. she starts questioning because there was that line, oh, have you ever like cooked a meal by yourself? Cooked, yeah. prepared a meal on your own? And she questions that of herself. Like she's like, oh yeah, I haven't even like cooked anything by myself. Does she roll her own gimbap? Right. Yeah, that's what I want to know. <laughs> Every single episode kind of tackles a different struggle of hers, mm -hmm. a different... Which is, again, what makes it relatable because I'm not a cook, for example. So when they were like, oh, do you cook your own meals? I was like, damn, you don't have to attack me. I'm just uh, watching a show. Right, right. So, <laughs> so it's like, it's not, it just felt very relatable on many levels. Yeah. It's, and that's why maybe people liked it. Yeah. Also, you had that wedding dressing where, of course, we have, we play dress up and she ends up in a wedding dress when they go undercover <laughs> for the of case. Course. And the big reveal and Kang Tao just staring at her like she's a cupcake all, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Kathy, Ugh. you don't like Sorry. that cheese? You don't I like that do, cheesiness? That's the thing. That's why I don't usually cry with movies or shows. And then this one got, got me, you. but not in that moment. It was like in the <laughs> like the empathy ones. Uh, but no, that one I was just like, Ugh, come on, just put me through the next episode, guys. Let's let's speed through it. Yeah, so. he's but he's very. I mean, in this episode, he makes an effort not only to swoon for. You know, when he looks at Attorney Wu, but he also makes an effort to place boundaries on the whale talk and creates these yes. lunch dates for them where she's allowed yeah. to talk as much as she wants about whales. And then all the other interactions, he's like, let's talk about other things. And he can focus on other things with her outside of lunch. And I really like that, like, segmentation that he kind of introduces to her where he's like, yeah. you know, let's just this one time of day we're together and you can 
you know, I'll listen to you and I'll interact with you. I will participate in the conversation. You can talk as much as you want about whales. And outside of that, we're going to, we're going to do other things. We're going to focus on other things. And I thought that was really smart of him to do that. I have, I have something controversial to say. Oh, go for it. Do it, Mina. Go for it. No. Okay. When they first started showing that Kung Tao had this sort of thing happening, growing for Liu and Liu, I was getting so nervous yeah. because, of course, yeah, I understand that people with ASD can enter into relationships and things like that. But her specific manifestation was having this sort of social unawareness. And like even when later on in their relationship, she's like learning about consent and mm. and all this in a way, you know, from her friend and th- from Gurami and things like that. I was like, it's a little weird because like he knows what he's thinking and feeling and wants from this relationship but like she kind of doesn't or has to mm -hmm. be like like she's so confused that it was i was getting so like internally nervous for her and i was like where is this going like what is happening like is this okay or not okay and i don't even know where i like necessarily land i mean for the sake of drama land then yeah i I, for here for it but i was like this is so strange because he knows that she is asd and he like is pursuing her like you said earlier uh kathy and but like I was like, is this okay or not okay? Like, I don't know. And it's not really for me to say I don't think and I'm not in the ASD community. So maybe it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. But I was just getting really nervous at first. And then I liked when, like, when he was just, like, looking at her all, like, you know, puppy dog eyes the whole time. And then when he finally starts to be like, hey, like, you are making me do all these weird dates with you that I don't I didn't want to do that. Like, he finally starts telling her that. And then I was starting to be like, okay, there's, like, starting to build that equity that Jesse were talking about in the very beginning. That there's this equity happening for him, though, not even for her. Like, originally, I was concerned about it hurt for her. And then it was, like, more, like, and turned, they turned around and it was, like, for him because she was, like, blah, 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 whales, dolphins, we're in Jeju, and, you know, I'm going to, like, call the shots. And then he's, like, I actually hate this, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, right. Can we do stuff that I want to do? And yeah. It was very interesting how it kind of played out. What did you guys think about that? Well, so earlier when you guys were asking about how I felt about the romance and the relationship and stuff, and I was like, I can't say it without spoilers. So this is where I'm getting into that. So for for me personally, I agree with you, Mina. It was it was a hard sell for me this relationship because again, she has a very elevated level of ASD when it comes to the social interactions, the physical touch. All those things are a big challenge for her. And you have this hot piece of ass <laughs> that we know got all the honeys in college. He has the entire law office like vying after him. You know how many numbers and, he had you know, in his phone? Exactly. Yeah. And he's friends with everyone. He has this social awesome butterfly. Personality. Exactly. So it's it's a hard sell. I'm not going to lie. Like, cause you, Jess, you mentioned it was like, you know, Koreans need this. Like, maybe Kathy needed this too. I don't know. Uh, speaking <laughs> of myself in the third person, like, I needed to, you know, believe and uh, love being possible for all people, including myself, kind of thing. So it, it was kind of a hard sell for me in that regard. But even also, again, bringing it back to the relatability thing and to the listening thing. In, in relationships that are typical, let's say, men and especially in Latin communities, mm. are, have this whole thing of like, oh, the old ball and chain. I, my wife is yes. just yapping all day and she won't shut up. And this man is listening to whale talk all day. And like, <laughs> you really want me to buy into the fact that he's really enjoying it when every other man out here is like done with how much his wife talks, you know? I see what you're saying. <laughs> especially in the Hispanic community where <laughs> there's like, it's almost a joke at this point, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because she cooks and cleans and raises the kids, but you're still bitching about her talking to you. Like, anyway, that's another conversation for another day. But for another day, I was really nervous 
as well, watching their romance unfold and them getting to know each other because they weren't really getting to know each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, she wasn't making an effort to get to know him, see what he liked, wanted to do things that he wanted to do on the dates. Everything was on her time, her tempo, whatever was making her happy. Everything was to placate her. And that's not a real relationship. That's Mm -hmm. he's not being himself there. He it's it's not real. You know what I'm saying? No matter how much he loves her. saying Like you're her babysitter. I was like, that is like real because it did seem like he was just like yeah. placating her constantly mm-hmm. so she was like a kid yeah. and he's like oh my god you love whales so let's go look at whales and let's go buy ice cream yeah. it was like very yeah and and again every episode kind of attacks a different area of her life so that episode where they had the woman with the intellectual challenges and the yeah. i don't i i wrote it down as uh, just will laugh i don't know mina <laughs> will like understand this but the papi chulo guy like with uh kind of like the gigolo yo character, yeah where he like again had a precedent that it wasn't just this one girl he had done it before uh, of, of of taking you know, advantage involved, gotten involved Icky. with a woman that had uh, intellectual disabilities and then uh it's not even just me like or or us as an audience Wu Young herself sees uh herself in that situation where it's like can people really love each other when they are coming from such different walks of life mm-hmm. it's it's a tough sell to everyone outside even though also uh, don't forget Kung Tao used to be a volunteer at like a yes. community center yes yeah, that friend. I was like yep. icky, icky, icky. yeah so they icky. don't talk about that again that he was like volunteering at one of yeah. these facilities or or clubs or something so yeah that was in episode 10 the sexual assault case against the girl with autism and i found that episode mm-hmm. really powerful and evocative no she didn't have autism she had something okay else. so she had yeah, something, she else. Had something else. else and the, yeah. especially yeah. when it came to the family and the mom of the girl being really overprotective she didn't want to give her daughter any agency which is coming back to the agency talk we were we were having before yeah. and the girl crying at the sentencing because she loves him and she didn't want him to go to jail and all this stuff. And, you know, Attorney Wu is pondering the way that those with an intellectual disability have no control or agency when it comes to love and how someone, quote unquote, normal or with more authority than them can come along and deem their love invalid. And how Juno comes in at that point and gently says that even if loving her is hard, he'll keep doing it. And if she says, if she says that something is love, is love, she's in love, then it is like, because you say it is, it is. And you don't need anybody else's validation or anybody else's opinion about it. And I absolutely agree with him and I absolutely disagree with him as well because then you have the case with the sexual assault which is really muddy waters extremely Consent. muddy why waters why did they make that episode Consent. was it to mess with I don't us? know like, why was it even there <laughs> listen it was why? it was to attack all of us because we were like, at that point where episode 10 is where they have their first kiss yes I think so so it's like it's which is the most precious kiss scene of all time <laughs> I'm like, this is the 1K drama where it's justified that you wait till episode 10 to show it to me. <laughs> like, I completely am on board with you. Yeah. A hundred percent. But yeah, it was it was very, like you said, it's very muddy waters. Like, con- like what what can you, how do you qualify consent when there is an intellectual disability, mm-hmm. which wasn't Uyonke's uh, uh, at all because she is neurodivergent. It's a different thing. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really mm-hmm. have any right. intellectual challenges. She's an incredibly intelligent woman. But still, it's like her her life and her, the way that she 
interacts with social cues and things is very yes, different and yes. what she understands like you said what he wants he knows what he wants he's very clear about it maybe she doesn't maybe she's cool with going out to you know grab trash from the beach as a date that's cool for her very different people here we have yeah. that we're working absolutely with. yeah i want to go back to the kissing though because um it was very well done it was i agree and it was like the softest swooniest of kisses <laughs> in the dark and i have like help in my in my notes um okay so what did you guys think of that kiss though obsessed <laughs> it was it was so funny how she's like are we supposed to be clanging teeth together <laughs> yeah she's like how can i breathe while i well i think that was later she was asking <laughs> later uh, her yeah. the the ceo of the company in the elevator <laughs> she's like i want to know your problems she's like i'm not really sure how to kiss without like you know n- uh, not choking <laughs> it's like this is adorable this is absolutely adorable. <laughs> but yeah the the teeth clinking like her the shoes like lifting up to reach his height mm-hmm. the light going out because it's like the motion yeah. sensing thing and like yeah. the shot itself was cinematography cinematographically oh, beautiful yeah. cinematography wise i guess <laughs> thank you i don't know what don't, word I, you came again, up with but i work as a writer this is what i do every day guys. girl i feel I still you don't have the words i still don't have the words i feel you it was beautiful it was a beautiful shot i loved it <sighs> i'm glad we are all on the same page that the kissing was good what did you guys think of the segue into the lottery ticket between the friends that they want to split the winnings and that's like that same episode and the girl from business proposal is has a cameo in this the one that says uh you know i have no jingu oh is she the one who plays the the coffee yes she's like a coffee runner yes i wonder why she looked familiar i was like this is her year because she's in three of the top K-dramas in 2022. She was in Business Proposal, she's in Attorney Wu, and she's in Alchemy of Souls. Mm. She's having a year. Um, I didn't like how we got the white truck of death, though. Yeah, that escalated oh, yeah. very quickly. Yeah. Like, the the episode start. that's one of the episodes where, like, one of the bigger plot twists in the storyline because this man comes in carrying his wife because her her heel broke. <laughs> the most loving husband dude ever that you're like, you're not real. Literally wasn't real. And then ends up being like the biggest douchebag after all his wife did for years for him, for their kids. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and then literally got taken out by a white truck of a different kind in a K-drama, but very K-drama-like. <laughs> and then and then uh, Uyung Woo has her like freak out, you know, yeah. her triggered. Uh, understandably so because she just watched a person die and yeah. and Kangtail had I don't know seen Grey's Anatomy and saw the episode where <laughs> you got you can get hugged really tightly and it helps and he, yeah. he and I both knew what to do so it was, like, <laughs> it was great for both of us <laughs> I didn't expect the Grey's Anatomy reference but that's great that's fantastic Sorry. yeah he hugs her tightly <laughs> and it's I think some like a tried and true mechanism to yeah but i've heard it's been deep has it apparently isn't yeah because oh, i know man. temple grandin who ha- is asd like i think came up with it or something and she got a lot of um comfort out of it but then for so- i think it depends who it is oh. it's not something you can just like like for him to do that was a little risky maybe potentially mm. if she's a real person because some people would not especially because she's very touch sensitive yeah, right and some people on asd would not would not respond well positively to it i see right yeah 
But it was still like I think that is something that in that is in the that's in the ether of public knowledge of like you some people know about that like kind of. I think it's mostly for like anxiety relief, not necessarily specific to ASD, and that's where like I guess it gets tricky because like you said, Mina, you have to know who you're dealing with and if the person is going to respond positively to it or not. Mm. But in her case, yeah, she was definitely like yeah. having yeah. A, an episode mm-hmm. where, uh, I mean, he stepped in and it worked for them. But yeah, it's a, as a panic thing. As someone who has a weighted blanket, uh, yeah. I can attest to the, <laughs> to the, <laughs> to the powers of weight and feeling. But a blanket and some dude suddenly just being like, Listen, it's a little if bit Kante different. Has in, an in, excuse in a trauma to hug moment. Me yes, tightly, if it's yeah. I, yeah. If he has any excuse to hug me tightly, I'm, I will take it. Whatever. Yeah, she was having a sensory overload episode and he hugged her tightly. And then later he kind of shows off that he's been doing homework and talks about this chair that he could you could buy that hugs you very tightly mm-hmm. and stuff. I actually have been wanting to talk about this. So let's talk and segue into one of the quote unquote villains of the story. And that's attorney Kwonmenu. And that's like the, like, I guess the jealous, the jealous, the mm-hmm. jealous attorney that's worked with her a bunch of times throughout the show. Yeah. I love him. I got to say, I loved him too. I think he's great. I was <laughs> he's bad, but like I mean So I was expecting because of the K drama editors and the way that he was portrayed in a lot of social media posts and the way people were like, I can't stand this guy, blah blah blah, very upset about him. I didn't find anything wrong with him. I didn't have any issues with him. I understood. I think he made he, some valid points. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, do you want to talk about He's it? like, she's our competition, and she has an advantage over us because she's a certified genius. Yeah. yeah. Quote, unquote. And who the hell are we? My, only, this is- my only thing, sorry, Mina, is that uh, when yeah. I think they worked the ATM manufacturing case together, and uh, like that, that company, yeah. and he almost screwed up his own case from trying to screw her over. Mm-hmm. And that's where the problem was. He yeah. definitely had a great redemption arc. Like 100% his turnaround was great. I, but there was a point where he was trying to be against her that it was hurting his own like client. The and what, that's a problem. I agree with you to, an, to a certain extent, especially for that case where he was like withholding information from her. Correct. And they were supposed Correct. to be working on it as jointly. And that didn't make mm-hmm. sense because you want the best outcome from your for your client. And... Mm-hmm he was actively sabotaging the the case so that didn't make any sense to me that was like a very short maybe he was looking about the looking at the long con but not the short con because he was like yeah, yeah you're my competition and our we're on a contract basis and we want you're my competition essentially i want to get my yeah. contract renewed ne- next year and you're you're in the way of that but whatever i agree with you but he makes a really good argument in like episode he 7 does. Especially because he's talking to the bestie attorney and he's talking about the nep- the nepotism, how she got the job and stuff. Yeah. And he's talking about unfair employment. He says she's the strong. She's not weak. She wins every time, but we can't attack her because she's autistic. She gets special treatment and it's not fair. And I got to be honest, like, even though it's coming from this, like, weasel character, very jealous, semi-entitled, ableist perspective... I totally understand why he was mad and why he was very antagonistic towards Attorney Wu and at the very least not supportive of her throughout the show. And I can't really fault him for this argument for the nepotism because it's not it's not 
the nepotism itself that got her the job. It's because of the systemic kind of discrimination against people with ASD and mental disabilities that didn't allow her to get hired anywhere. So then it kind of like was nepotism came to the rescue in this case. And it kind of weird way in a weird way. And it's absolutely true that she got the job because of connections and that she's given special treatment and that she's absolutely formidable and strong and others treating her delicately kind of seems ridiculous in his mind because she holds her own time and time again. So I, what did you guys think? Like, I'm very confused why people were so upset with this man. Before we talk about why he was upsetting, I just want to point out that the scenes where he's just goofing around that the bestie and <laughs> she's like, oh, my God, I love him and I can't handle it. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. I thought we're so cute. They I was were. like, he's he was like just clowning her all the time. And and, she, and then he was like, what the hell's your problem? Like, why are you so mean to me? And she's like, I can't deal with you. Goodbye. <laughs> and I just love that dynamic. But yeah, I think people did. I think it was I I think the purpose of him, which maybe we sort of touched on to some extent, was like he was what the average Korean person not affected by ASD or not aware of ASD or not aware of just disability or any kind of discriminatory Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. practices. That's what he was being the voice of them. Mm -hmm. And so he he was being, I think, so in your face about it that people felt maybe I'm guessing I don't see anything about this. Maybe people who are watching who are in Korean society were like, I feel called out. (laughs) I feel attacked. And so they didn't like it because maybe they think themselves to be like very like, you know, like I'm very Mm -hmm. open minded and I would definitely hire her. And then he was like echoing what probably would really go through their minds if they were in that situation. And maybe that was too much for them. That's just a guess I had. I will say I didn't I'm not on Korea talk that much, but I was seeing stuff coming from people here in America. So basically the Western perspective, people kind of like they were joke TikToks, but at the same time, people were very upset, like with the character. I didn't feel any type of way. Like, really? No, no, it's a it's he was a minor like the the stupid things like, you know, posting on the website kind of thing, the anonymous uh, post that he did. That was all harmless. It's, like, I mean, he he could have done damage. Yeah. Had he followed through with uh, Tesumi on the plan to get her to either quit or get fired. Mm-hmm. Like, he could have, mm-hmm. but he didn't. Like, it wasn't all that. Like, this was... There's no truly evil person in this show. Uh, in the in part of the cast of the lawyers and stuff. Right. Obviously, the clients is a different story. The the people that come with their cases. But, yeah. And I don't, he I gave a little... Like that backstory of like, well, I have to work for a living. Okay, yeah. my dad isn't a judge at the Korean Supreme Court, mm, or whatever. Right, right. Dad yeah. was so he was. They gave a little story like, my parents are sick, they're old. I'm the only mm-hmm. like person mm-hmm. who can help with their medical bills or whatever thing he was alluding to. And I did appreciate that they did say that because they made him even more realistic. I, I felt he was 100%. very realistic, especially in the fields of like corporate law or whatever they whatever law they practice there. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's up against a girl that like has some co- sort of contact that he doesn't understand with the top CEOs of the top law offices in Korea. And then Suyeon is a daughter of a judge. So, you know, he's against two people that are never going to have an issue going anywhere in life, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that I don't know if any one of you has been really uh, competitive throughout your academic career, but I used to be like way, way back in the day. And I totally understand that feeling of I am trying my hardest and I can only get 
like an A minus, like a B plus or an A minus, whatever it is. And somebody else who never studied, never like did any of the work, never turned into anything, gets an A on the final and like they pass the class. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's the difference between effort and for Tony Wu. There's like so many things in life. So many like lines of work have to do with who you know mm. and who are you? Like, are you the daughter of yeah. a judge or whatever? And and maybe not nepotism, but just like connections. And mm-hmm. these two had like in the, th- out of the three of them, he had the weakest connections mm. to people because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he because Wu Young Wu was the the manager lawyer's like fav- favorite, like very yeah. obviously Myung Sucks. And for whatever reason, I mean for her own reasons, but the CEO lady lawyer. Uh, also wanted her mm-hmm. um, there so yeah I, I get why he felt so threatened yeah absolutely yeah, made sense yeah um i thought they did the guy that played um the pengsu uh, mm-hmm. uh the, the I, I don't know whether to call character? him the defendant i guess yeah the defendant oh. yeah because he was accused who also had asd but like a more severe type of asd mm-hmm the, number one, why did they got to do that actor dirty by making it seem like he's like a giant hefty dude? Like they had these like sound effects I mean, like, when he was walking. I think they were trying to say. To, well, also they had like like the Pengsu shirt he was wearing was so small. And I was like, why is it so extra small for him? Like, is he shopping in the kids section? And like, yeah, it was. A little yeah, weird. I had some questions there. Like they made him look so big, and they didn't need to do all that. They were like had had like forced perspective in some of the shots and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why? This is so mean. I thought it was something to do with, like he's an adult, but he's a child mentally or something weird. Maybe they're trying to like. Sh- pick that through that portrayal but yeah it was weird mm. totally weird. yeah that was one of the episodes i actually put that one half in red half in green because <laughs> it was good that they had the intention of portraying a different level of asd mm-hmm. but i think the way in which they went about it was the wrong characterization they they cartoonified that totally. struggle mm-hmm. with like totally. the singing and the microphones like just saying the forced perspective the stomping the it was like that was a character that the audience was almost like, if you were in the room, you'd be scared. And that's not the intention that they should have been uh, pushing with him. So I I, I have my issues with that mm, episode in general. I agree but with you. But the good part was that they talked about the pressure that people feel and just all the things that go through people's heads when they have to put up this like front that they're amazing and perfect and really they're struggling mentally and mental health absolutely so So absolutely i thought that was important number two you mentioned the rap i love the rap though like the pengsu rap (laughs) was hysterical it was was funny it was funny but i think i was like on the plane and i was like what is happening no yeah like it was borderline offensive to people with asd because because he was so like like i know like some people like whatever they like but like you know wherever they're on the spectrum but like it was when they did it like for the second time or try to do it for yeah, a second yeah. time. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, we, we saw it. Like, stop. Yeah. I got you guys. I feel you guys. But I think um, part of that conversation when you're talking about people who are putting up a front and really struggling internally, like the parents in that scenario mm-hmm. were a whole Horrible. mess. A whole Horrible. mess. They're like, yeah, just put this one in jail who tried to save our son just because we don't want anyone to know that, like, the star doctor-to-be student was not really having the time of his life. Yeah, they would rather deny that the kid was suicidal and having a hard time in medical school and let their younger son go down for murder than admit that he was trying to unalive himself continuously 
and improve their younger like, son's case. Like, it doesn't compute yeah. to me. Well, I think it was like, he's the quote-unquote defective one, so he can be a murderer. He can mm. afford to be a murderer. But our quote-unquote perfect son... No, I think that's what they were trying to say. I'm not saying that's why I think. I know, but, but it's um, still such bad son. optics. Just terrible. Yeah. Like, being someone who wanted to, you know, take his own life is was too much for them, which is totally twisted thinking, but... That is what they thought, I guess. Yeah. 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 I have in my notes, fuck those parents who were clearly in denial about their suicidal yeah. son. <laughs> yeah. That's just, it just hurts everybody. Like, not, like, anyway. Yeah, it does. I was mind blown about the Asperger's dude being a Nazi collaborator. That's when they were, like, Attorney Wu was having, like, voiceover, I believe. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Talking yeah. about how. Yes, he was. So that was in my research as okay. well, that um, Asperger of Asperger syndrome <laughs> right. was, was uh, Hans Asperger. He was a researcher on autism. He's the one who realized that it was something that existed on a continuum because before that they were trying to like, first they thought uh, ASD was something like schizophrenia and they're like, no, actually, no, that's not what that is. And then they like had all these ideas. He is the one who uh, realized it was on something on a spectrum and he got a lot of acclaim for that knowledge. But what... Um, is was less known at first and then came out to light more is that he very much collaborated with Nazis, mm. including sending children to be euthanized by Nazis. I'm assuming those are disabled children or psychologically, quote unquote, unfit children or something like they were doing back then. Mm. So, yeah, we don't really want to, you know, toot his horn too much <laughs> because of that. And actually, uh, ASD came about in 2013 as far as it being a term because they decided to combine what they originally called autism disorder with Asperger's, realizing that all of it together sort of under the same right. umbrella. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that blew my mind. I was like, I had to pause the show. I was like, wait, what? Like, it truly. I will say this: sometimes, sometimes, um, people who are fans of K-pop or K-media are like, Korean people don't know anything about World War II, and I'm like, no, they clearly know an Oscar <laughs> yeah. because she just said it. Yeah, she just said it. So get away with that stuff. <laughs> what the hell? I never heard that in my life. Mino. Because like, you know, when like um, idols wear or their stylists make them wear something and it's like a little edgier or like uh, they do something I that see. is a little edgy and then they're like, well, they, how are they supposed to know they don't know those things? And it's like, I think they do. I think they know. <laughs> they have some awareness. They may not see it as like egregiously as everybody uh, who are affected do, but they know. <laughs> Lord. So. Okay. That's a conversation for another time, I guess. But mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm reeling okay so i was very taken aback with the prosecutor and the judge for this case as well because the prosecutor started going down this line of questioning that was completely irrelevant and discriminatory and the judge was like overruled it's not irrelevant and it's not discriminatory toward people with asd because the prosecutor tries to discredit the defense's argument, saying that because the defendant has autism, he's mentally unfit and should have a reduced sentence. But because you're saying that people with ASD are mentally unfit, then that means that the argument that attorney Wu Young Woo just made is also unfit and we shouldn't, we should not, um, we should discredit that as well. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not, I, I was very, distraught by this kind of happening and the judge being okay with it yeah i mean this is where i was like i don't understand korean law <laughs> I don't get it. 
I don't know. Yeah, they're so. Yeah, I don't think it's wrong. I just don't get it. The, yeah. The first, is this first time that I see a courtroom showcase, like a, in a Korean courtroom? So I wasn't oh. sure of like the the vibe of the judges and what they say and don't compare to judges here or like in TV here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there was a lot of jumping to conclusions and things just kind of being misconstrued a little bit yeah with the yeah yeah because all of us in this case attorney Wu's statements should not be held to the same standard as unimpaired attorneys and i was like what the fuck like i was legitimately i i just couldn't believe the the comparison wasn't there the math wasn't mathing on that one no no not at all Something that I really liked was throughout the show, she is shown going through the revolving door at the office, right? Which mm-hmm. is played for laughs early on in the show. Yeah. And then she just kind of does it on and off, like, th- the rest of the show. And to me, it was kind of like a lesson in facing your fears that mm-hmm. she takes the revolving door even though she can use the regular door. And she sees obstacles, yet she still overcomes them. And we all have revolving doors in our lives that we have to talk ourselves into waltzing through. And we do it in spite of the fear. And she does it despite her ASD. And I was like, (laughs) really touched by just her kind of bravery for what you perceive as a small thing. But it's not to her. Also. I also saw it as a manifestation of her kind of the running underlying theme of wanting to be a little more liberated or not liberated, but like, you know, independent from her father. Yes. Like that was another one of the, like her facing her fears or going to work. And it's very important to her that she does like her dad makes the breakfast gimbap and the lunch gimbap and that's it. <laughs> she does everything else, yeah. um, including going through the door, even though she could do these other things, she wanted to be, this was her chance that she finally got after so many months of trying to get a job and she wanted to strive for this thing and become more self-sufficient, independent, all the things that everyone who's a young adult wants. So I think it's a little of both. Of I things. agree. And at some point she says to her dad, I don't like it when you intervene in my life and prevent discouragement mm-hmm. because he's kind of shielding her from things and telling her things at opportune times instead of letting her kind of process things as they come. And instead of him blocking bad things from happening to her he's like she's like let them happen to me i want to be discouraged i want to face things like an adult like someone without a disability and i completely applaud her for that it is Mm -hmm. like one of a one of a million themes that this show kind of touches on is like you said mina her independence and her self-sufficiency is very important to her and her being like one of the most resilient characters mm-hmm. and just like strong, like genuinely strong, like putting herself, like you said, knowing there's another door right next to it, putting herself constantly in situations that challenge her to the max mm-hmm. just to do it and to be kind of closer to running with the wolves that she is with in this life and work yeah. situation. Um, Kathy, you mentioned cinematography. So in episode nine, they put an orca in a courtroom, and I was like, this is the best thing Girl, I've seen all year. This was, it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I don't know, when when I first talked to you about the show that I was like, that I had seen it, and there were things that I liked and I didn't like. So the whole, like, CGI whale, herbalescences, <laughs> epiphany, Beyonce <laughs> hair fan situation that happened every time she had, like, the conclusion that was in a save like the world yeah i hated that i hated that but that painted orca in that conference room yeah was it 
Like it was really yeah. it. It was beautiful. It was absolutely stunning. Yes, visually stunning. And they yeah. do it a um, you know, a couple of more times, but that orca in episode nine was stunning. The final like shot with all of the whales and porpoises <laughs> swimming slash flying through the air as she's taking the overground yeah. train. That's all great. I really appreciate those scenes. Overall, the show was like just very airy and bright. That was the look of it. Yeah. Despite some of the heaviness of some of these cases. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys have other Poor cases? Man died. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to go back to Pied Piper real quick because I don't understand why they wrote it like that. Like, why would he take them to the mountains? Why wouldn't he take them to like a playground? <laughs> I'm like so stuck on some of these yeah. things. I'm like, what is happening? No, like, but why it's is true. this like because you're like, uh, oh why sorry, a grown that? man is taking twelve kids to the forest, not on my watch. Yeah. Like, he couldn't take him yeah. to the Y? Like, I'm confused. Yeah. Right. Take him in pu- somewhere where it's, like, public and, like, their par- Like, also when he was like, don't call your parents or whatever weird thing he said. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> issue after issue. It was weird. And then they were trying to make him seem subversive in a good way, which I, th- I agree with Jess when you were saying, like, he- I liked his philosophy. But the way they chose to depict that, I was like, what is happening? He's such, a <laughs> such a creeper. Such a creeper. Don't call the, your parents. He wanted the I, kids to watch him get sentenced to jail. I was like, oh, no. Oh, yeah, that was like, sad. That was I was sad that that happened. Yeah. The the other episode that I wanted to touch on was when they went to Judge Island to, you know, do the case, do all the whale watching, and meet the sister. Oh, make, meet the oh let's talk about this. So this is my thing, you know. I love that Juno wants to live in this world where everyone just appreciates everyone for all the great things that they are and for all the great things that they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. But you're really going to sit here and tell me that this man is confused every time someone asks him, yeah. like, are you really doing this? Like, are you really going to take on this challenge? And he's like, what do you mean? Right, you right. Know, what, are you, what are you talking about? All confused. Yeah. Like, his sister's like, dude, mom and dad are going to kill you. Like, I don't understand why he... I think it's normal. Like, if I were dating someone that I think would have an, an issue with a social interaction, mm. I would be like, hey, you know, like, I, I'm dating someone. This guy that I'm dating uh, has a little bit of a social anxiety, so maybe he doesn't like to be hugged or whatever. Like, you warn people yeah. about yeah. what, you know, what you're bringing home. Like, because let's say he doesn't have to say anything to his friends. Like, his friends are irrelevant. But his family, it's a different story. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of pissed me off. His His... His, naivety his clueless there was cluelessness it was more yeah. than that it's like it he seemed nom- it seemed obviously not on purpose but it's like you're being obtuse right now. yeah like you're like you're this is not no mm-hmm. so i i didn't enjoy I thought that. the conversations where they were starting to get at like well how are you going to like live your life like this because i kept wondering not to get like weird about it but like she how are they going to be intimate <laughs> because right. she's yeah. struggling not only that he keeps calling her Attorney Wu, Very, which mm-hmm. I, maybe Formal. then he stopped by like was zoning out by then. Yeah, like he just kept call- addressing her as that, and he they like barely touched because she couldn't handle, which is obviously admi- admirable. I don't want him to like do anything weird, but like where does he see this going then? Yeah. Because it's not like she's going to suddenly be cured of her ASD. Yeah, she may or may not overcome these issues. It didn't seem like she was really overcoming them by the end anyway. At so all. I'm also, that's also why I'm like, why is there going to be a season two of what? I agree with you, and I I mentioned this in I think pre spoilers section was how how can she satisfy him because it seems like he really wanted to have that intimacy with her with even just holding hands like he was like really the excited to hold hands with her seven second like and she was like well I can't even meet with him she, yes she couldn't even do fifty seven seconds and I was like how he was visibly 
disappointed and kind of let down in that situation. And he convinced himself that he only needed 57 seconds of hand holding. And I'm like, okay, no, but when 57 seconds ain't enough for anything. Yeah. I was like, I I don't see this being uh, supportive of what you need in a relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like if I, if I, my love language or whatever you want to call it is physical touch, then how are you going to function in this relationship? Yeah. It's what Mina said. It's not being weird. Like we're, we're being taken on this journey, on this fantasy mm-hmm. of believing. Again, I am trying very hard to root for love and to root for people overcoming challenges. But how, I don't know how they're going to get past that kiss. Mm-hmm. And when, mm-hmm. you know, like... The physical feelings that one gets with intimacy, the physical bodily reactions, how would she react when her body starts responding? I'm, I'm, it's scary if you think about it. And that's mm-hmm. when I was like, I'm, I don't know, I, I don't, I'm not on board. And I think that's also why to bring back why Laura left the show. She was like, she asked me, she's like, is Juno like the the love interest? And I said yes. And then she was, I'm done with the show. Yeah. Like she was just like it cut it. It was too cut and dry for her. Like she's like, this is not even remote like i would rather watch sci-fi or the avengers and the cgi is more believable than this thing mm. so it was just strange because it makes you really wonder what is e juno's like end game goal like what what is going on yeah. i don't know i found it confusing yeah absolutely i agree yeah we're all on the same page here about this quasi romance that like never got off the ground be- truly because of all of these compounding issues that yeah. are are not it's not like we're talking about, you know, she doesn't like the flowers I bring home. So, like, now I have to choose different flowers. It's not, like, superficial things. These are these are deal breakers. Yeah. You know? And whenever they're trying to have, like, he's trying to have a conversation with her. She has an epiphany about she's something. She's fucking like, mm-hmm. yeah. And then she leaves. Wa- she's walks out. away. Yeah. She is out. I love in when the middle of their I love the breakup because he's finally like, are you kidding me? That's it? You're just going to leave? Are you actually talking yeah. about a case right now? Because she has her epiphany with the whales and shit. Mm-hmm. And then just like goes on a tangent and leaves. Just like walks off in the middle that of their comparison breakup. Or the analogy with like a cat. Yeah. <laughs> very real. I think people, anybody that owns a cat or that has been around cats is like, yes, I see. I see that comparison. That analogy was actually pretty fair. Mm-hmm. So. But like you want to get married to a cat. You know what it's I'm saying? Choice. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you know, follow that through. <laughs> anyway, I I agree. Um, can I ask one question? Absolutely. Do you think uh, Dong to the Good to the Rami is like going to get with Kim Min Sheik, her boss, or like what is that? What is that? Ew. Relationship. Ugh. Or like what? I mean, I'm not saying I want them to. I'm just don't understand right, why they're right. like no, no. I don't what is think their deal? I see, I see that as more of like a brother sister dynamic in my in my eyes at least. I, yeah, I don't get that at all because she, like, doesn't even do her job. Like, she works there. Like, he's paying her to not work. It's, it's kind of weird. That date he went well, on with Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, Sui-on does someone also... like the other one? Like, what is their dynamic? I really couldn't. I, maybe sibling is the right one that you said, but I, I didn't know what to think mm-hmm. about. I don't get it. I feel like she's just very agile with, like, how she makes people buy into her uh, craziness. <laughs> how wild she is and she's just like you're gonna hire me and you're gonna pay me to like do the dishes and i'm even gonna do the dishes so that's that's that on that that date with Suyong what if, was what if in mess. season two she gets with uh kwaminu 
I yeah, that's no because twist. they're setting it up for him and Suyan. They're making Kathy's like, no, don't ruin this for me. Sorry, I'm very sold on no, them. That's funny because you know okay. how does redemption? I would, I actually would love that couple. And now yeah. he's like, he wanted to be act like a fool or live like a fool. He Sorry. wanted yes at the end. Yeah, he wanted to live like a fool. So it, and it's all because Suyan told him that that's how he should be. Yeah, so, they have really good moments in Jeju together. Yeah, My favorite is when they. <laughs> She tells him, oh, yeah, I'm Catholic, too. And then she stops bowing during the, the Buddhist uh, like ritual. And he's like, what's your baptismal name? Mine's Gabriel. She goes, oh, mine's Jenny. He's like, Jen- fucking Jenny. Blackpink? <laughs> yeah, he's like, Saint Black are Pink? you the saint of Blackpink? What is that name? And I died laughing. It was very funny. Was, that, that humor was really funny. It was. Those two episodes were great. I really liked them. Yeah. Did you see, uh, you know, the senior attorney getting stomach cancer? Because I, I'm on the fence about this Why? device, like that the writer did with the. Why? Yeah, yeah. I, I had so many questions about all the things. Yeah. I guess. Well, like he was just gone for, and then she's being bullied by the other upside down attorney. I forget the his upside name. Down. <laughs> That's a great the way to call it. Attorney. <laughs> ah, yes, um, yeah. he's like the brother in uh, Crash Landing on You, and then he's also been in Beyond Evil, which coincidentally we've reviewed those two podcast, those two podcasts, those two shows on the podcast. He was awful. I, if anyone was he's a villain, he was a villain. You're right. Yeah, when I said that there was no villains, I was wrong. Yeah, that that guy sucks. He's like fuck that guy. Sucks. There's he's... nothing redeeming about him. Absolutely. Yeah, he's terrible. But yeah, they sidelined the good senior attorney. But to, for what purpose? For, to right. What end? Right. Why are we doing this? I agree with you, Mina. So, th- so that we understand that you know you can't just dedicate your life to working, and you have to make time for your personal life. And I think I I believe that as a result of the show or something, somebody was uh on probably on TikTok commenting on the the diseases that are rampant in south korea that are like linked directly to workaholism it's a thing oh. so i do think again this show has everything it's just <laughs> they wanted to tackle all the it's like winnie the, the pooh how we, like winnie the pooh is social commentary on like being obese being depressed being like uh, on drugs like tigger is like on cocaine or whatever like every character Get is like out. a problem of society yeah there's <laughs> yes, a, she's yeah. right that's she's yeah right. winnie uh. the pooh was my favorite disney character so i know oh. like the the not so good part about it so yeah so this show is like we're gonna talk about all the things in in south korean society that are rampant right now that we need to fix and we're gonna do it with one show 16 episodes and we're gonna just like change life they really tried 16 hours later we're gonna fix all of society's problems so i don't know if uh if stomach cancer in south korea has been linked to overwork i wouldn't be surprised if that definitely played a part but i did want to point out that in western countries stomach cancer is quite rare Mm -hmm. And it's very high in definitely South Korea, maybe also Japan. So oh, wow. Yeah. That's just a fun fact. I kind of yeah. figured and as the much. The fact that with him, it was like stage three. And then like his mom comes to the freaking surgery. And then Woo Young Woo's like, don't die. And like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's messy. The, it's messy. The cringe, the cringe was hurting my soul. Yeah. The other thing. It did make sense to... that the. Oh, go sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because I was I'm just going to say the. Okay, I was just going to say it makes sense, though, that the, like, top hospital for stomach cancer would be in Seoul due to the prevalence. Ah, there. So, yeah. Anyway. It, just, it all makes yeah. sense. It's all, like, it, it, it's all making the full circle. Um, what I was going to bring up was 
going back to the spectrum and ASD in general and to the stereotypes presented during the show, <laughs> yeah, I found it quite interesting that when they started introducing us to the fact that Uyung uh, Woo was the daughter of uh, Tesumi, yeah, and um, they kind of had that running at the mall, and then uh, <laughs> Sumi was like fixing things, like she has OCD. And then her son, who is a genius, also has OCD, and his favorite thing to eat is kimbap. So yeah. there was a lot of like, they were like talking. Of, they were bringing in genetics into it that it's hereditary. These like it can be things. Yeah, yeah. And I was, was like, it was Whoa. setting it up. They were they were setting it up to kind of be like surprise, but not really. You knew this was coming. Yeah. <laughs> the the relationship there. So I I think that also kind of is a nod to like maybe going towards Asperger's and or like lower levels in the spectrum where people can be very, very high functioning and seem just like neurotypical when they are out and about in school, whatever, even they're, when they're geniuses and they're just solving Rubik's Cube at the speed of light mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then you have Wu Young Woo. So it, I, I thought it was interesting, those parallels that they were trying mm. very obviously to draw. Right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So you're sa- so Mina, you're saying it is hereditary? It can be, yeah. So there are instances where sometimes people may have multiple children and all of them or more than one of them will have be somewhere in ASD mm. spectrum or parents um, and children, there may be connection there. Sometimes ASD people will marry each other. And then, of course, sometimes you would expect to see more cases of their offspring ha- being ASD. Mm-hmm. So it's not a completely unheard of. I do think it was interesting they use that if that's what they were doing, as which they clearly were, as like a foreshadowing kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. It's clever. It worked out well, but it was a little weird because, like, it was so kind of elementary. It's like he loves gimbap too. It's like, oh, okay, we get it. Yes, <laughs> that's my complaint is that it was very simple. I guess. Yeah. Elementary. Yeah. I like that word. Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of, well, basically, like the end of my notes. Did you have? Did you guys have anything else that you want to talk about, or any of the other cases that were maddening? Well, yep, yeah, I had one. The women's discrimination case in the workplace where they were firing all of the wives was... I, was say, I just really like that attorney. That, like, that, you know, social justice. Oh. We don't care if we lose her attitude. Yeah. That I loved that. And I, and I wish that maybe, if, you know, season two kind of, like, takes a better thing. Wuyang Wu doesn't belong in Hambara. She belongs in a place, like, with this lawyer lady, uh, you know, girl power and social justice. I would I would like to see that journey for her. I think that would make a lot more sense. Mm. And and that would be fun. I, I enjoyed that episode just because of that lady. Yeah. Was she was very inspiring and wonderful. And she was she – also, she's also had a good few years because she was in hometown Cha Cha Cha, one of the, you know, main townspeople. I really kind of was stunned with the reaction at the end of their trial, which they lost. Unbelievably, they lost. And they were still very happy and celebratory and were like, we're making strides. And I'm like, what strides, baby? Like, you lost. Like, I was very emotional about this case in particular. 
Um, yeah. So in my podcast, I talk a lot about actually uh, discrimination in, in South Korea specifically. I have a whole season about women, and we covered uh, Kim Ji Young born 1982, yeah. which was a huge feminist like thing. And there's been a lot of feminist movements in Korea, and they do have some like anti-discriminatory laws, sort of, but like just a blanket like you cannot discriminate based on like color, creed, class, blah blah blah. They don't really, really, they don't so much have that. And so the way like this was portrayed was interesting to me because it was like the kind of like loophole and yeah. the whole deal was like you'd only have to like is it's that it's, it's like you can you're allowed to like it was weird because like one spouse has to go of the two spouses but it doesn't specifically say the wife has to go but you just pressure the yeah. wife which isn't which isn't illegal because she's voluntarily resigning like the whole thing was so fishy and weird and I think for maybe I'm again totally guessing because I'm not Korean and I don't live in Korea but for Korean people who are part of the activist movements of which there are many there's like LGBT rights there's um, uh, women's rights there's dis- the disability rights people were out there this year in Seoul like shutting down the whole subway station system because they, they were like we can't wheel our wheelchairs in here it's not accessible and so they were just like holding up trains like in between the trains so anyway, I guess they don't have any like ADA compliance over there so right no. and they don't have to legally they don't have to so that's kind of or like what they might have some laws of surrounding it but there's like all these similar kinds of loopholes or things wow. where they don't really have to the way we have it here for example so um, I think for people who are in the activism space it would maybe resonate with them a lot more or like yeah we lost but ha ha isn't funny like it probably makes more sense maybe to them and it's been like it is a big thing there for a lot of people um these anti-discriminatory uh laws and and protests about how we they don't have them really so that's yeah. unfortunate i don't know how to talk about that without getting really upset but yeah, yeah. thank you for sharing nina and go listen to her podcast when she when she says she does all these episodes, they're so great and, form- and informative. And I listened to a bunch of them, especially the, I remember the book one that you talked about. Oh, my God, that one was. I don't even, I, I'll be honest, like, if you don't read the books, you don't really have to because I don't almost don't talk about the book. I talk, like, around yes, the book. Which is really helpful. <laughs> I talk about, like, issues. Yeah. And it sort of contextualizes the book, which often bleeds into things like K-pop and, and K-pop. Yes, so, absolutely. Um, but that one was my most for me interesting to read and also depressing (laughs) so So, talking about women I think the last thing that I want to talk about was the portrayal of motherhood in this show because you had a few different kinds of mothers running through the cases in each episode which of course was episodic each case did not flow into the next episode Mm -hmm. and then you have attorney Wu's own mother who I was on the fence about her characterization, if I should consider her a villain or not, or if I should just consider her a very ambitious woman who has every right to, you know, abandon her child and continue on the warpath to her own career success. Did you have any thoughts about the mom? In my research about autism, ASD stuff, they were harping a lot, not harping, but like saying quite a lot that the emphasis of get into the best school you humanly possibly can and get the best job you humanly possibly can because otherwise you essentially have almost next to no future in Korea in terms of financial security was something that um, reminded me of her because she, I think, was in this place of, because they also went to Seoul, right, or somewhere, I think they all went to Seoul National University. Yeah. Uh, uh, Woo Young-woo's dad, she did, and Woo Young-woo herself went, all went there. So she was this close to achieving her dream and her goals and then this sort of, 
thing happens. Abortion is illegal. was legal in Korea until like quite recently. So what else, I guess, was she supposed to do? But it wasn't like it wasn't pleasant, but it's something that right. happens. I don't know. It was I felt the same as you, like conflicted. So yeah, conflicted. you don't you don't have to. You might not be a villain and you might also not be a good person. And those things are not mutually exclusive mm. or you just might be selfish. And like you said, looking out for her own career and that was not part of the plan and she had a willing uh, father that was going to do the job so she was like okay my you know it's go with me this is as good yeah, as she get, washes so. her hand of hands of the child and is it is it a good choice for her yes like in the long run she got to do what she wanted to do she graduated she passed the bar she became the head of the company and and you know, she got to have the family. Her dad's company. Her dad's company, Nepo Baby. Again. Another Nepo Baby. But anyway, um, she she got to have the family that she, you know, eventually wanted on her own terms. And, like, I can't fault her for that. Absolutely not. I think I fault her more for her attitude after she finds out that Woo Young-woo is her daughter, I guess, is that mm-hmm. she's not necessarily... Like, I don't expect her to want to be in Wu Yang-woo's life all of a sudden. Um, but she is ashamed to be associated with Wu Yang-woo and wants to just get rid of her and doesn't care at all that she might be hurting her. And like Kathy said, like, she's not villainous, but she's not a good person. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I think she got at that point so caught up in her candidacy thing. Mm -hmm. And you know how it is with elections here as well. Like any like, you know, skeletons in the closet you can dig up can really make or break your election um, thing. So I think when she was ashamed of her, it wasn't even, which I found interesting because I was expecting her to be like, oh, no, my daughter is ASD. No, she wasn't like that. And blah, blah, blah. It wasn't about that. It was like I had this out of wedlock daughter and when I was in law school and I shouldn't have whatever and I gave her up and I didn't even raise her. So there was like other levels of shame Mm -hmm. there, which is interesting way for the drama to go, I thought. But yeah, I think they tried to redeem her just like an eighth of an inch when (laughs) I'm trying to find a measure that kind of relates to what I'm trying to say. But when her son went to Uyungu's office to confess the crime, the the hacking crime, uh, he, then she was like, how do you know that I'm your sister? And he's like, well, I hacked into my mom's phone. She would always like be looking at something when she was in her room and then get startled when I came in. So I saw what she was looking at and she's been saving all these things of you. Like, you know, that probably like the articles of her graduating top of her class, being the first ASD lawyer, to come out of uh, uh, Seoul National University. And she said uh, she talks to grandma about you. Yeah. So, like, there was that little tidbit of, like, she's not a horrible person. She didn't completely forget well, about her. Well, we don't get to see what the conversation is. We can't... Because the mom, her mom, like the grandmother, was a willing participant in help, you know, abandoning... The grandchild sure, sure so i don't necessarily feel like it's a positive like conversation no. that she's having about Uyungu in the text messages but you know she is doing her research like a la condida she's keeping tabs on and her she's kid, keeping tabs basically. on her yeah mm-hmm. but but yeah i think it's just again the last episode they try to redeem her she lets her son testify like she listens to Uyungu. she's like you weren't a mother to me be a mother to him and yeah. uh, she she listened and she listened well and then she uh, revoked her candidacy. 
So or she took it back. So yeah. I think that again they're trying to show some redeeming qualities about her and then they're setting it up for season two with uh Sun Young kind of walking away and being like, I let you off easy today, bitch, but I'm coming oh, back yeah. for you. Did so you guys care? Are... Speaking of um this lady, did you guys care that we never saw what the beef was between them? That they I did. You did care that they yeah, I was, didn't say I, I wanted I to too. know. Yeah. I didn't care. I also want to <laughs> Go back real quick to the mom to say that. Uh, um, wait, what was I gonna say? <laughs> Let's see. I had it for a second. And I lost it. Oh, the times I found her most villainous was when she was dealing with Wu Yangu's dad because yes. she had such a victim complex of like, <gasps> yeah, or, and like paranoia. Like totally. you're coming for me, aren't you? You're trying to take me down, aren't you? I was like, well, someone is, but it's not him. <laughs> and I don't know why you're like going after yeah. him like so hard. It was interesting, and I, that's when I found her the most villainous. I was like, you already dumped quote unquote your problem onto him and then peace out and now you're here just to like ruin him all everything right yeah very and selfish all he did was give up the career and like start something else so he could take care of his of your kid yeah like, and he regrets he it he says that he regrets it because he lives basing his life off the loyalty and just kind of good naturedness of raising his own child as a single dad which i applaud any single parents out there like you, you're amazing and he did an amazing job of raising Wu and he says he regrets doing this because he never f- passed the bar, he never became a lawyer, he never achieved his career aspirations, and he should have, because yeah, everyone else, yeah, but kept all his books. You know, he never followed through on that because of this yeah. weird promise that he made to her that he would leave and he should never see him again and all this shit. And he was like, I should have just said, fuck that, done my mm-hmm. own thing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. had this something to give to you, started my own practice, raised you and taught you in the law and hired you myself and given you something that would last like your own practice so that, you know, it was your own space versus having to go out into the world and conform to other people's spaces. And that was very sad to hear, but also very understandable coming from him that he was like, I didn't realize that everyone else was operating under these very political rules. And I'm not doing that. I'm not following this kind of social, um, order than everyone else is following yeah and 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 going up to the sad thing it's like sun young has her interest that she wants to take down sumi so sun young is like you know go to some paid vacation resort in the in the countryside and like stay away you know while i blow up your life and then uh sumi is like go to boston to the, all the thriving communities and get out of my face so <laughs> Fucking these, boston. this poor girl <laughs> This poor girl who has been living all her life already with enough difficulties and challenges with her ASD and law school and the job search and all the things that we know about. And now she's like, I never even knew this bitch existed. And now I have to like dip. Like, what the hell? (laughs) Like, he's like, Dad, uh, I have a super good job. I have a boyfriend and you're just ruining my life. (laughs) Please. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. It really sucks. Yeah. Jess, I'm surprised you didn't ask about the OST. Oh, What'd you think of the OST, Kathy? Not memorable. Ooh. <laughs> no, it is it is memorable because in like so many TikToks and stuff. So yeah, I'll okay. say like the memorable part about it. I, I was trying to figure out what it was. It sounds didactic. That's the word that I can think to describe it. It sounds techie. It sounds like something of like you're about to watch a tutorial. It sounds <laughs> educational. It sounds no, but I mean that in a good way. I just mean it like a, trying to find the description for it. It was just like, uh, yeah, it was just 
like a techie like i it sounded futuristic there was a lot of like those are the words that come to my head like a word cloud when i think of the soundtrack but there wasn't anything like beyond the tiktok that really i like the whale songs out. yeah whale the whale sounds. songs are cute yeah mm-hmm. sure. yeah. yeah i agree with everything you guys said about the osc which is why i didn't bring up the osc <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. My Sometimes bad. I like I ask was, like, a question. Ready to answer your question. <laughs> I feel bad because, you know, if I don't have anything um, to say about it, then I kind of assume sure. that somebody else might not have anything to say about it, especially if it's like, yeah. you know, just hitting a point, like just to hit yeah. a point. So, OST, I love your assessment of it, like actually. So, uh, thank you for. Was, I mean, it was very unique. I'll say that that's a really good thing that it was very unique. Like only this show could have this OST. Only the show. But am I blasting Attorney Wu OST on the weekend? No, ma'am. No. no. <laughs> oh, man. The last thing I'll say, I didn't have... A, I watched the show back in August. I didn't have a chance to rewatch it like I wanted to for our pod today. Mm. I was surprised at how much I remembered of the show when I was taking my notes without looking at the episode guide. Oh, So nice. I do think it is like the show itself is memorable. And my, you guys, from your ratings and from what you mentioned earlier might not want to watch it again but from the few clips that i watched to get back like caught up i would watch it again hmm. if anybody cares about you what. loved it I you did. have a four out of five rating of course you're gonna yeah, rewatch the show <laughs> i'm a basic i'm a little basic well no i wouldn't watch love no, all play it's... and i rated it four out of five true I wouldn't watch it again true but i would watch this one again hmm. just you know, for you and everyone in Korea. So I mean, nothing to feel bad <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah, there you go. Nothing. We gotta, we gotta in. reassemble though for Attorney Wu season two. <laughs> season two. See y'all in 2024. 2024. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I hate multi-season K dramas. I. This one did not need a second season. No. All. all right. Is there anything else you guys want to add before we get out of here? No. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Um, Tell us where we can find you online in case they haven't seen, uh, not haven't seen, (laughs) haven't listened to the other episodes with you guys on them. So for me, Kathy, uh, you can find us, myself and my co-host Laura, who refused to be here today, and you can go (laughs) shame her for it, at MIA2, the number two, K uh, podcast on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, all the places and uh, anchor fm anchor.fm slash mia2k podcast you can hear our episodes there and yeah thank you just for having us back nice. me at least yeah well <laughs> you watch the drama so yeah i'm trying <laughs> be funny if laura was here Laura. yeah all right mina and yes thank you jess i feel like i wouldn't have watched any dramas this year if it hadn't been for you <laughs> so i appreciate you asking me on here but you can find me at instagram kpop bookshelf pod pod as in podcast or on twitter where i almost never tweet kpop bookshelf and uh also i'm on anchor.fm as well yes okay. nice definitely uh mina is an instagram person so if you want to get in touch with mina you can find her on instagram kathy and laura are everywhere you can definitely message them on twitter they're active on on everything all all we do is just like i i don't work and i just like stay on social media talking to people on the dm so come talk to me and get me fired please yes um i would say kathy loves to talk shit mina is very very kind and doesn't talk as much shit as we do so and this is my villain origin story. I don't do story. it online. I don't do it online. Ah, I don't smart. do it on the mic. Got it. <laughs> smart. Got it. I'm smart. not trying to get fired. Kathy wants to get fired. Ah. It's different. It's different. 
That's the difference. All right. Well, I think we're going to get out of here. This has been a pleasure talking to you guys. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And that's been our show. I'm Jessica, and this has been the ATC Presents Debaki Rambles podcast. Take a name,